0: This week, uh, we're going to do a standalone sermon on uh, marriage from a scriptural point of view, from those types of relationships, and then uh, next week, we're going to talk about vision, what the church's purpose is, what are we here for, maybe get into some specific things, uh, and then we've got the annual meeting next week, Sunday night, so it's a good that's a great vision moment, too great stuff on Sunday night will be coming. And then uh, after that, we're going to do a series. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be called. Uh, It might be um, Lines and Loops. It might be uh, Spirit and Truth. Not really sure. Uh, But it's going to be dealing with walking uh, our faith out with both the truth side where we you know, we do the right thing and we take responsibility for our actions and we show up for church and, and, you know, you're doing, you're just cranking out life in our Christian way. And then there's a very different part of following Christ, which is uh, engaging the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of God. And, and, you know, there's, there's people who tend to understand the power of God and Holy Spirit side real well and they can be kind of, nonlinear, you know, or loopy. And then there's the, the more strategic thinking, linear, tangible uh, people over here. And we need to grab hold of the fullness of both of those in order to really grab hold of the fullness of Christ. And so that's what we'll be talking about uh, in, uh, in a few weeks when we get to that. But today, let's talk about marriage. So let's pray, believe God, to give something good to all of us, whatever uh, situation in life we happen to be in. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, I thank you for each person that's in here right now for this service, and Lord, I pray that uh, you would give us something good. We're all dealing with different things, we're in different stages of life, and we're fighting different parts of the battle, and so... With a somewhat specific topic, Lord, I pray that you would give us each something good to take home, just by your spirit, help us to engage so that we can, we can receive some good things from your word today. And Father, uh, I just pray that you would bless marriages, you'd bless families, you'd help us to walk into the fullness of what you've called us to have. So bless our time today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. What if Christians led the world in how to do marriage the right way? Huh? How about that? What if Christians led the world in how to do marriage the right way? I believe that is God's plan. And the question is, are we able to walk in God's plan or not? If we are able to walk in God's plan, then we will be a shining light to the world. Wouldn't it be fantastic if the rest of the world was thinking, how do those Christians do that? Marriage is hard. How do they get that to work? How do they make it so uh, life-giving and how do they... How do they do it? It just doesn't even make sense. I would love for that to be the case. And I believe that if we understood and applied the scriptural principles about marriage, that we would be able to make progress in getting there. Now, when it comes to marriage... And marriage roles and responsibilities, I think there are tremendous misunderstandings even to what the Bible actually says, let alone being able to put it into practice. You know, everybody knows don't judge, right? So they've got that, they know Jesus said that, Sermon on the Mount, all right, I know I'm supposed to do that. It's not a question of understanding what you're supposed to do, it's a matter of being able to put it into practice. I think when it comes to marriage, there's a lot of confusion in what does the Bible actually even say we're supposed to do? You know, and there's, uh, there's some pretty wrong conceptions of what marriage is. And so we're going to deal with that uh, today and, and try to get a good picture. Because, you know, relationships, marriage, these sorts of really important relationships in our lives can be a source of tremendous blessing and joy. Amen. They can be sources of profound misery and pain. I mean, talk about a pendulum swing. You know what I mean? Like, this can be just fantastic or really, really, really bad. And so how do we, and, and obviously as Christians, we're not immune to the really, really, really bad. So we don't want to live the really, really, really bad. We want to live abundant life. We want to live the promises of God. And so how do we do that? Um, in order to get an idea of how to do that, let's, uh, let's look at what's the right way to do Christian marriage. Then we'll look at uh, some different scriptures and see... What we need to do. So what's the right way? This is, uh, this is coming from me. So here you go. Which I've got 25 and a half years of marriage under my belt. So this summer, Trinette and I will be married 26 years. Which, yeah, woohoo. We'll be celebrating 19 years of wedded bliss on our 26th anniversary. So don't ask about the other years. Um, Because isn't that just how it goes? You know, people think, oh, there's Pastor Mike. And they did a cute video. So they must have had a wonderful relationship from the very start. Well, no. You know, uh, there's ups and downs in life. There's trials and struggles. And we sabotage our own lives and cause all these problems. And guess what? Everybody lives through that stuff. Uh, The question is, do you live and learn or do you just live and not learn? And so we want to live and learn. Here's uh, just a, a... Super simple view of what the right way to do Christian marriage is. Three big pieces of the puzzle. Piece of the puzzle number one. The man and the woman are both secure and confident in who they are in Christ. And they don't need someone else to complete them. Now, I'm not the most romantic type in the world. And that's a very non-romantic thing, right? Be secure and complete in Christ yourself and don't need your spouse that's not going to play well on daytime tv that's not going to be good for a movie you know no Uh, what do they call those, rom-coms or whatever. None of those are going to be based on I'm secure by myself and I don't need another person to complete me. That's not going to do very well in Hollywood, but I think it's essential because there are things that only God can do for you. And if you expect a human being to do those things, then you are are going to have a very unrealistic expectations for that person. If you want a person to give you uh, a sense of peace and security in who you are. That doesn't make any sense. God can do that for you, but a person can't do that for you. If you want a person to give you a sense of, of purpose and meaning in life, that's an unrealistic expectation. God can give you purpose and meaning in life, but a person can't do that. And so we need to be secure in who we are so that we can bring something to the table in a relationship other than just needs. Other than unrealistic expectations. I need to be able to put things into the relationship. Not just try to get things from the relationship. That are really unrealistic in the first place. So step one in doing Christian marriage right. Is for each person to be secure and confident in who they are in Christ. You've got to come to peace With your creator who made you for who you are. Your your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend isn't going to help you come to peace with who you are. You got to go to your creator for that. And so when you're secure in who you are, then you can bring something to the table in a relationship. Step two to the right way to do Christian marriage is for both people to have managed to avoid sabotaging the marriage beforehand with all kinds of messy baggage. Have you ever carried baggage with you into a new relationship and junk from the past affected your future? It's young people, don't... Pick up the baggage. Don't make the mistakes in the first place. It's so much easier to not pick up the pieces. Now, every generation, I guess, has to learn from their own mistakes. Right? But let me tell you, the easiest way is to learn from other people's mistakes. And so, if as a kid, you see your parents... Telling you to not do something that they did. Don't call them a hypocrite and wreck your life too. Just be like, oh, you, you must have learned a lesson. And listen to them, okay? They've been through some things. They were your age at one point too. And they've seen the damage that can happen with certain things. And so they're, they're trying to help you. Um, but it's important to enter into a relationship without too much baggage because it'll be brought into the relationship and make it difficult. Now, God redeems us. God cleans us up and can take that stuff away so that we can come into a relationship, Uh, but we'll have to fix ourselves first. That person isn't, you know, let God and our effort fix ourselves, and that other person isn't going to be able to do that. We want to put the baggage down before we enter into the relationship. And then the third piece of the puzzle here is what does that relationship look like? And it looks like this. Basically, the other person is always rooting for you. Wouldn't it be great to be in a marriage knowing that you've always got somebody rooting for you? Hoping that it works out good for you. On your side, being a cheerleader for you. uh, Always having somebody rooting for you. And for the wife that she is loved with an epic love fit for a novel. That she is is just embraced by her husband, loved by her husband with an epic love. this is where we get into the romantic part. The beginning it isn't about me needing her it 's about me loving her me uh, the husband loving the wife with an epic love that is fit for a novel, where she 's safe she 's respected. She's built up more and more as the years go by. That's that's huge. And then for the husband, that he is the respected spiritual leader of the home. This is one of the weirdest things about Christianity that I've noticed. Is that the husbands, they want to push off all the things of God. Except they want to be the man of the house. You know. But they don't pray, they don't come to church, or if they do, they sit out drinking coffee and waiting for it to be over. And they don't engage the things of God, but they want to be the man of the house. Well, you need to be the spiritual leader of the home, meaning you're the one that initiates the things of God in your house. You're the one who drags your wife to church. You're the one who drags your kids to church. You're the one who, who uh, takes the responsibility for the spiritual development of your family, and you are respected for it. He is the respected spiritual leader of the home. He is loved. He is accepted and built up more and more as the years go by. Now, I don't know anyone who's actually uh, done that completely. <laughs> I've never met the perfect couple. So isn't that nice to know? That uh, I, just like I've never met the perfect person I've never met the perfect couple. Uh, We've all got our stuff. We've all got our issues. And so we want to be able to try to walk into the truth of God, the ways of God, as best we can. Um, But man, oh man, if we as Christians could get this down, your life gets so much better. You know, that's a, in Jamaica, they said, happy wife happy life they they taught me that one and you know you don't want to be patronizing with that sort of thing but the reality is if the most important human relationships you have are going well your life is going well if the most important relationships you have are strained and full of strife and struggle and pain your life is hard it's just that simple and if we could live out God's plan, our lives would be better and we would be a shining light to the world. And people would say, how do those Christians do it? So what are some of the classic wrong ways to do Christian marriage? Um, let's look at these. First one is the two empty vessels. Uh, how many people have heard... Bad relationships described as two empty vessels. Raise your hand real high. I want to know. Uh, okay, not very many. The, uh, Doug Green, the pastor at Grace from years ago, uh, told me this and explained it. It was very, very helpful. It's a good mental picture. So uh, each one of us as a person, you know, we, we've got our own little picture. We need to be filled up. We need to have uh, experiences in life that bring us up. And so we've got a picture. And... The problem is when I'm not complete, when I'm not confident in who I am, complete in Christ, at peace with who I am, I've got this this hole, this need. And so I'm looking for someone to fill me up. And I see a oh, cute girl over there. Now, cute girl over there, if she's in the same situation, she's Insecure with who she is. She's got a lot of inner pain that she's not letting show. She's got lots of needs. And she's looking for somebody to fill her up. And then those two people find each other? You've got two empty vessels hoping the other one is going to fill them up. And how's that going to go? That's a disaster. Because both come with great needs. But neither one has the capacity to meet the needs of the other person. And so the two empty vessels come together. They expect the other person to meet their needs, to make them complete, to bring them into a glorious life of wedded bliss and all that stuff. And it just doesn't work that way. And there's lots and lots of pain and lots and lots of difficulty. So the two empty vessels thing does not work. Then there's the house built on sand. I can't tell you how many times people just sort of think that, well, we're both Christians, so it's going to work out. Well, last week when we finished the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if you hear these teachings of mine and you put them into practice, you're like a man who built his house on a rock. When the storm came, the house stood. But if you hear these words of mine and you don't put them into practice, it's like building your house on sand, The storms come and the house falls. The reality is you can both be Christians, but if you don't live out the ways of God, the storms will bring down the house. And so, okay, well, we're Christians, so God's going to bless this and take care of us. No, you still have to do things God's way or else it's going to fall apart. It's just that simple. Uh, So, Don't just assume that it's all gonna work because we're Christians. Uh, If you've been around for very long at all, you know it doesn't just work because we're Christians. Uh, How many disastrous Christian marriages are there? All over the place. All right, and the last one, the, uh, the bad fruit over time relationship is... You know, over time, he wants to be respected, but it's not working, so he kind of becomes a bully. She's dehumanized, unloved. He's alone, she's alone. They grow steadily more distant from each other over time. They pretend to have a good marriage, but it never gets better, and they just learn to live with it. That's probably the majority. So, how are we going to walk into the fullness of God? We're going to read some scriptures in just a minute, but before that, I want to say this. In our culture today, I think we have a huge problem with unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. We have a huge problem with unrealistic expectations. Expectations. And this applies to relationships and to marriage as much as it applies to anything. And here's the deal. Uh, When we have an expectation that is huge and reality turns out to be different from our expectation, then the space between the two, they say, is called frustration. Frustration. Expectation, reality, and frustration. And if it's in the most important parts of your life, like your your marriage, that frustration can be life-consuming and just a mess. So the problem is that you marry a person, not a fairy tale. Happily ever after is not a verse in the Bible. You marry a person, not a fairy tale. So we need to realize that if our expectations are expectations of happily ever after, the, the, the romantic comedy, the, the big, you know, it's, that's not real. You're marrying a person. Not a fairy tale. You're married to a person. And if, if you're married to a person, you know it already. You're not. It's just not how it goes. Now, when I look in the scriptures, I don't see a list of things to expect from your spouse. I see a list of responsibilities for you to do in the relationship. Now, in 2017... It's not real popular to talk about responsibilities rather than great blessings that we can expect. Well, let's walk in the responsibilities and then you will get something wonderful. So what are the responsibilities that are described in the scriptures that go with Christian marriage? So, this is the... This is the time where I wish there was a guy's version of the Bible and a lady's version of the Bible. Because it'll say, okay, husbands do this and wives do this. Now, the husbands, what part do they focus on? The stuff the wives are supposed to do. Why would you do that? That's expectation that's going to create frustration. Don't read what they're supposed to do. Read what you're supposed to do. The wives look at what the husbands are supposed to do. I wish I could have a guy's Bible that didn't say what she was supposed to do. So that he was clueless. Because then he'd be a lot happier. And the same the other way around. Because then the spouse would do the thing that God has uh, ordained to be life-giving in a marriage relationship and you'd be surprised because you're not coming in with a high expectation. You're coming in with a sense of responsibility and giving and then when you receive, you're thankful. It's very, very difficult to be thankful when you have high expectations. High expectations bring disappointment, not thankfulness. And so be careful and manage Your expectations. So what's the guy's job? Ephesians 5.25. We'll read three verses on the guy's job. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says that husbands are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So... Husbands are to love their wives with an epic love that is the same as, just as, the greatest love that's ever been shown on this planet that is the culmination of God's plan for creation. That's a high bar. That's a high bar. Love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. A sacrificial love. An epic, profound, sacrificial love. Did Jesus love the church because the church was so wonderful and beautiful? Jesus loved the church despite who we are. An epic, profound sacrificial, self-sustaining love. Let's read Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Somehow, somewhere along the lines, Christian marriage somehow got defined as The guy gets to ignore God but be a jerk at home. He gets to be harsh and nobody gets to say anything about it because that's how it's supposed to be. Where did that come from? I, I think I know, but I might mention it later. But here's the deal. Husbands, you're commanded to love your wife with an epic love, a sacrificial love, and don't be harsh. Specifically says in the Bible, don't be harsh. And First Peter, three seven, says this: Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. What does considerate mean? That means you consider where she's at, what she's feeling, what's going on with her. You take into consideration what's going on. Inconsiderate means you don't notice. Considerate means you do consider. What's going on with her? In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. We talked about this when we were talking about hindrances to prayer. But let's look at those two words, considerate and respect. So, so far we've got The husband's responsibility being to love your wives with an epic, sacrificial, profound love, to be considerate, to be not harsh, and to honor or respect. A lot of translations, that word respect is translated honor. It's like to cherish. So, guys, what do you think? Can you do that? That's the expectation. How about this? Ladies, what do you think? If he did that, if he loved you, am I I setting you up with the expectation thing? (laughs) That might not be so good. Let's talk to the guys again. Guys. (laughs) Ladies. I should have had the ladies plug their ears. Um, Here's the deal. God said that Because she needs that. He made her. He made her to need to be loved. To need to be honored. To need to be respected and sacrificed for. To not have a harsh person, but a loving, considerate person. God made her like that. It's not her fault. That's how God made her. Can you do that? If you can, you're going to see something wonderful. What's the lady's job? I always start with the guy's job because the lady's one is a little bit more difficult to talk about. You know, love your wife. That's a big thing. But nobody's like, forget it. You know. Uh, But you know, there's a tragedy in an unloved wife. That's a tragedy. There's a tragedy for the husband that's possible too. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 5:21 because I think it's very important to read Ephesians 5:21 before you read Ephesians 5:22. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, who's supposed to submit to who in the Christian world? Everybody to everyone. This is actually talking about in the church. Submit to one another. He's about to get into marriage relationships. But if the, the husband and wife are in the group, everybody submits to everybody. That means when you're in the parking lot fighting for a parking space and somebody's got you just let them in. Oh, go ahead. It's preferring someone else. It doesn't mean that you get to bully them and push them around and dominate them, right? It isn't, hey, everybody in church bully each other and dominate each other and crush each other's spirits. That's not what's being commanded when when the scripture says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've got a different definition of the word submit in today's language. Probably the word should be prefer or respect, But we think of it as crushing and dominating and, you know, like MMA submission is I'm about to break your arm. So you've got to tap, you know, that's not a good definition of uh, uh, dynamics in marriage is, you know, I make you tap. That's not what we're looking for. This is a beautiful thing when we yield to one another, when we prefer one another, when we respect one another. And then verse 22 Wives submit to your husbands, as to the Lord. So, be respectful of your husbands. Yield to. Next, uh, next verse, Colossians three eighteen says, "Wives submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord." It's in there again. First Peter three one and two. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So be submissive. So ladies, what is your job? If we were to say this in the more politically correct way, it would simply be, be respectful of your husbands. Be respectful. How do you show respect? I think showing respect is similar to, to showing love. Different people feel love and receive love in different ways. You know, there's the five love languages, Gary Chapman, is that right? Uh, you know, uh, gifts, physical touch, quality, time, acts of service, and another one. And, what's that? What's that? Words of affirmation, very important. I did not uh, grow up with that one, but the wife did, so that was a problem. I did the acts of service, and she wanted all the other four, so I'd be out mowing the lawn, and she'd be, he never talks to me, all that stuff, and when I did, it was never a fluffy, nice language, so I'm getting better, I'm getting better, I'm making progress. By our 30th anniversary, I'll be, in, I'll be even better by then. She's getting more patient. It's a wonderful thing. Um, But here's the deal. Be respectful of your husbands. We all understand the tragedy of an unloved wife. But very few people in our culture understand the tragedy of an unrespected husband. It is just as deeply spiritually damaging to be an unrespected husband as it is to be an unloved wife. Understand the gravity of that because we make fun of the man, we can mock the husband, we can mock the dad. It's all completely inbounds in our culture. But the reality is, if we're going to live Christian marriage, it means respecting your husband because the unrespected man is hurt just as bad as the unloved woman. So be respectful of your husbands. It's not their fault. God made them that way. So so just, just believe the word and go forward. So don't give excuses why you have to not love and respect. Just go ahead and love and respect. It's very, very important. Love and respect distorted. Love and respect that's been tainted by the worldly mess that we're in turns into lust and violence. Love and respect distorted is lust and violence. Some people have never seen love and respect lived out. They've lived their whole lives in lust and violence. If that's you, I want to tell you that the world of love and respect is real. And you can believe for it in your relationship. If you're If you're not married, reorder your thinking so that you can enter a relationship like that. If you are married, both of you realize lust and violence isn't all there is. Instead, the true nature of God is to bring us into love and respect. So, how do you get God's plan A to happen? Because it isn't just about sticking it out with a horrible marriage. It's about how do we get a good one. Well, here's a few quick things before we close. Learn to love others and respect others in the appropriate ways. And this comes from within you. Learn to love others and respect others. Learn to respect your boss at work. Learn to respect your teacher at school. Learn to love people that, you know, just... Have that in you. That comes from within you. It's not from them, it's from you. How does Jesus love us? It's because he's got an overflow of love. It's not because we're all that lovely. So learn to love and respect. It comes from within you. Next, be respectable and lovable. Hey guys, give her something to work with, right? You know, be respectable. Don't make respecting you the hardest thing she's ever done. And ladies, don't make loving you the hardest thing he's ever done. Give him something to work with. Last one, only start relationships with someone who can live in the world of love and respect. Not everybody can do that. Understand the difference. There are people that can't function inside of love and respect at this point. They need to grow in Christ first. Don't start relationships with people like that. Uh, Set yourself up for success from the beginning. Fixing it is hard. Now God can redeem a person, amen? Amen. And God can redeem a marriage. But it's a long road and it's painful. So let's just be smart. I'm gonna invite the prayer teams up. We're gonna close here in just a minute or two. As they're coming up, I wanna talk about three paradoxes. First one is the marriage paradox. Marriage is not 50-50, it is 100-100. So... Husbands, you have to give more than you take. Amen? Wives, you also have to give more than you take. But here's the paradox if you both give more than you take, you'll both receive more than what you gave. Isn't that interesting? You have to give more than you take. If you both do that, if you both lean into that, if you both are walking by faith and loving and respecting when you don't feel like it and you're giving to the relationship, you'll both receive something far greater than what you could give. That's the marriage paradox. There's a church paradox too. People come to church and they give and they serve and they they wait through long sermons and they do all this stuff and, and they're giving. But if we all come together and we all give, then we all get something greater than we could possibly give. We get a community that loves us through difficult times. We get people who will walk through hardships with us. We get support and friendships and we get so much but we have to give first. And the last one is the paradox of giving your life to Christ. In Mark 8:35 Jesus says this and he says this in one form or another six times in the gospels. Jesus says, "For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel" will save it. So he's saying. You can claw after the things of this world. By yourself. Or you can just give it up. If you give it up. For the sake of Christ. And for the gospel. You will receive more than you could have possibly clawed after in God. When we give ourselves up to Christ. He washes us makes us new and gives our life back to us better than anything we could ever create on our own. It's the paradox of giving your life to Christ to receive abundant life. Let's pray. Let's believe God for this promise and then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. When it's time for personal prayer, it doesn't matter what the need is. You want to start a relationship with Jesus, come get prayer. If you need a marriage restored, come get prayer. Uh, physical healing, whatever, come get prayer. Let's pray and ask God for good things. But let's pray along the lines of Mark eight 35 first. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great and precious promises. We thank you, Lord, for the promise that we can take our lives in whatever condition, however messed up, however distorted, however broken, and we can give them to you and you will receive them. You will receive us into your family because you've already paid the price. And you will take that broken, messed up life, whatever it is, You will bind us back together, make us whole, give us a right understanding and give our lives back to us so that we can live a life of purpose. We can live a life of joy. We can live a life of security and strength and we can live everlasting life. So Lord, for those in here this morning, who need to say, yes, Lord, I give you my life. I pray, Lord, that right now they would make that decision. And just between them and you, say, yes, I'm in. And Lord, for those of us who need to reaffirm our commitment to you, who need to say, yes, Lord, I am still in. Lord, let us in our hearts say, yes, Lord, I'm still in. I give you my life. I trust in you. Father, thank you that when we give that to you, you give us so much greater. Praise be to your name. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person in this place. I pray that your your peace and your joy would be upon us and Lord that we would be able to receive your love so much that it would overflow within us and spill out into our relationships, spill out into the people that we meet, that there would be no one that we meet that would go unloved. Lord, let it be. Bless us in this way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.